We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Schneider. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, you know that meme where it's the the guy who looks like he's been through a lot of trials and tribulations, and then he's looking up to Jesus or God, whoever it may be, and he goes, why do you always give me your hardest battles? Uh, that's what I feel like the Brewers could be saying if they looked up to the baseball gods after uh, the weekend series that was. Uh, you know what, Adam? Players can get hurt in all kinds of ways is what we're learning. Uh, but first, before we get into that, uh, hey, how are you? How you doing? Happy Sunday. Happy Memorial Day to all of our American listeners uh, when you're listening to this on your Monday while you're grilling hot dogs and drinking no free ads of beer. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. I'm doing well, Andrew. The Brewers have a, a habit they're developing, which is, I mean, beneficial to us and our mental health, but it could be even better, which is in four of their last five series, they have won the final game of the series, the game directly before a podcast. I think it's five of the last seven series, if we want to stretch that out. So in a run where there has been a lot of losing for the Brewers, um, they find a way often in that spell to win what has been you know the rubber match the end the dead rubber even uh yeah they have managed to do that which uh you know can help with our 
our mood when going through these well, uh, sure. tri trials and tribulations along with them, especially when, you know, you and I have to talk across a, a Zoom screen twice a week. You know, what if what if all the losing eventually just, you know, creates trouble in paradise? We just can't stand the sight of each other because of all the losing. <laughs> I feel like we had our testiest ever Brewers conversation last night. Now that's overselling it dramatically. But I feel uh, like that's that's about as you were maybe a little... This series, I think, has gotten to you just a little bit more. Maybe understandably, we'll get into the ins and outs. And as you said, it turns out there are no limit to the number of ways that the Brewers can lose important players or, you know, even unimportant players, just all players um, to injury. But yeah, I mean, things have been tough. They haven't been making it easy for us. Not like it was to start the season. No, they haven't. Um, and we'll start with the news and notes section to have a uh, let's see how much of this conversation you want to dive into now. It's probably uh, uh, something that obviously we'll talk about more in more detail when we have some dead time at some point in the season. But uh, you know, Rob Manfred was in town this oh, week as well. That's our first. This. Uh, news and note. Well, I mean, we should talk about. Well, it you've, you've said it now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not prepared in any way emotionally. Okay, all right. Let's. I've got an, No, I've no, got no. An you've idea. done it. You've put it out there. Yeah, but there's going to be room for opportunity for us to dive into that a little more later in the week. Uh, when we well, may have some. Free we can time. we can do a little bit of it now. Come on, you've opened you've opened it up for people. Uh, not that anyone wants to hear this conversation, but I'm curious as to where you wanted to go with it. You know, it just seems like now that. Oakland is going off to Vegas. Rob uh, Manfred has lost one of the, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking at? Like one of his leverage franchises to get uh, local governments to pony up public dollars for ballpark enhancements. He's trying his, to find another one. One of his got... punching bags? Is that? Exactly. He's got, he had Oakland and Tampa for the longest time. He's trying to sort Tampa out too. But he, you know, as soon as he, uh, loses another one. He has to pivot to someone else, and that team has been the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't think there's any... I, I haven't seen any quotes, actual quotes, come out threatening uh, relocation explicitly or anything like that. Uh, here was the the, uh, the comment he made. The ballpark is an asset, said MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred when discussion, discussing American Family Field. I think the Brewers are interested in a long-term relationship and an extension of the lease that'll keep them there. And the unsaid thing there is to keep them there as long as you pony up the money that we want you to pony up. Thanks. Have a nice day. Obviously, we know the lease uh, ends in 2030, or is it after the 2030 season? Ends in 2030 is just what this article says. So, um, you know, I just think it's uh, the, the, the slimy underbelly of baseball ownership and, you know, commissioners just coming in and holding local governments hostage over ballparks that you know i thought was still in pretty great shape when we took a visit we took a tour um great place to watch a ball game so just it just leaves a bitter taste in your mouth when when rob comes to town and uh people start getting a little antsy and worried about uh, the long-term uh future of this team being in the city of milwaukee because it should never leave i obviously we're new to this fandom but when we went there we saw how much it means to the people in the seats in those stands, bringing their bags of bacon 
<laughs> drinking brandy old fashions and beer. And I, I just think, uh, I don't know. It just, it just made me a little sour on Rob Manfred's face. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I know why it's happening, but it, it, there's no, there's no logic other than just it's, you know, the brewers are the, the cow to be milked this time. The cash cow even, or the city of Milwaukee more specifically. I don't get it. Um, if you had an owner who, I mean, was maybe a little bit more proactive in putting their own neck out there and maybe was being a little less cautious in handling their own self-interest in the longer term, I think you could bat away a lot of this and just be like, this is this is ridiculous. You mentioned, obviously, us being there. The other place we were was Wrigley Field, and you and I talked this privately. Like, I liked Wrigley Field. I enjoyed my experience there. It's a dump in comparison. It's a dump. But it's got history attached, so that's fine. But the Brewers have a stadium, which, as you said, is holds up really, really nicely. I was honestly more and more surprised when I first there was the sense of this. I was like, what What specifically are the kind of improvements they're leaning on? And I looked at them to be like, oh, they are most of the things that you and I were like, wow, this is really impressive. And you have been to a lot more Major League Baseball stadiums than I have. You were like, yeah, I'm really impressed with these elements of, you know what? what the Brewers do and what Ampham has got going on. So I just, I mean, the other thing is Manfred, it was put to him this idea of, you know, what about a team like the Brewers? What are, how, how are a team like the Brewers with their payroll supposed to compete? To which his response was, he sees the Brewers as, you know, as role models, as the gold standards, how all teams should be run. Which is like, that's great, Rob. So what are you doing with the teams who are running a completely different sense where it's just complete free-for-all and it's spend whatever you want? Like, <laughs> you can't have both things. If you're the league where really there is no limit to what you could spend, essentially, which is the closest of all major league sports in the United States where that is the case, you can't you can't play those games. If the Brewers are the gold standard in terms of trying to run it like a business, well, then introduce a structure that's more akin to what you see in the NBA or in the NFL. And then you're doing something to very real kind of, it's real progress towards leveling a playing field, which again is something he stressed the importance of. I'm just like, what? This is not, like, this is not evident at all to me in baseball. I don't, it's, it's a weird thing to even just say. Um, I, I just hope all of this dies a death and we don't have to deal with it. I hope there's a straightforward way, but the reality is there won't be. Um, and we know the road that's coming and we know if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, the Brewers will probably stay in Milwaukee long beyond that 2030 date we're talking about, but it will require the kind of shakedown that just is not really fair in the people of the city. And I, I don't even think is all that necessary. And by 2030, sure, things will have changed, but I think you'd have to really go out of your way to let elements of Amfam rot for it to require just the scale of redevelopment that may be talked about here. So, yeah, I don't know. It all seems like a 
a bit of a racket, Andrew. Ah, the professional sports industrial complex. Whenever the GOP unveils their plan, obviously their counter plan to the plan we talked about many months ago, we'll have our public policy expert Jordan Tresky back on to walk through the ins and outs of uh, of of that proposal. And then maybe we'll also get uh, Numak on here um, just because he has a unique perspective that I think can be helpful that like maybe you and I don't have. Uh, anyway. Which is that, I don't know. Shout at the owners, possibly some city officials. I don't like. I will say the one thing that for me on this, um, I went through this in a much more real way with the books and with Save Our Books and everything around that prior to Lazarian Eden's buying the team from Herb Cole. And if it wasn't for Herb Cole, um, and people listening in the six flow, this isn't necessarily my block to always be like. Let's let's pump up Herb Cole's books influence to the max. But on the way out, he did ensure that the books remained in Milwaukee and he did part with his own personal money to contribute towards that and to leave the team as a real and lasting legacy for the people of the state, knowing how much it meant. And you just look at how quickly things turned around. You just look at how quickly the books came to be the books that we've seen known and loved in the last few years. Like, I don't know, are there cynical people who see that as a result and see, oh, well, you can shake down the city or the state and you can point to a success story and it can happen again because, you know, they're the kind of smaller city who are always going to have to fight to hold on to their team. The flip side of that is I don't think the two things are exclusively kind of related. The Bucks needed a new arena in a very, very different way to where the Brewers find themselves at Ampham. There is no comparison between where Ampham is now and where the Bradley Center was when the Bucks left and to how it compared to the competition around the rest of their league. But the lingering effects on the people who cared about that franchise of having to fight for it, having to scrap for it, and if it wasn't for the goodness of Herb Cole's kind of commitment to Milwaukee, that could still have had a very, very different outcome. Or if a commissioner in that case wasn't open to and prepared to say, okay, we're, we'll keep the team in Milwaukee if these conditions are met, that may not have happened. I just, I think for sports fans in Milwaukee, it sucks that this is something that, I don't know, every 10 years, every 15 years, 20 years, one of the two teams it seems like they're going to have to go through. It really does not feel necessary in this case. And beyond that, I mean, I think there should just be a more pragmatic plan in place and something that is more achievable. The problem from the outside seems to be the owner that the Brewers have. We spent a lot of time talking about the restrictions on the Brewers when it comes to their roster and how that holds them back on the field. I samplies off the field. I mean... Public money is needed for anything that's done with AmFam because Mark Adonazio is, excuse the pun, not in the same ballpark as most of the owners he's competing with around Major League Baseball. Uh, again, I that's a really tough spot. I at that point, I I just I don't know what you can do with that. It's it's asking a lot from his perspective, asking an awful lot, and maybe maybe you would like to see some more in return 
would be what I would count it at if you're gonna if you're gonna go up with an ass that big. Thanks for that perspective, Adam. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I just uh I just wanted to to cape for that big hunk of brick, metal, and dirt because I enjoyed my uh two games in there. How many did we go to? Oh God, time flies. Um. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think I'm going to dive into the series because the, the roster moves and the uh, injury is kind of a line and flow with how the series played out, Adam. Does that sound like an okay idea for you? Sure. Uh, uh, what's uh? No, no, no that, was a, that was a genuine sure. It was fine. Yeah, okay. let's do it. All right. Great. No, the, I, I you ruined my mood. Was... You decided to bring up stadium stuff. I talked about, oh, at least they won, you know, to start a podcast. And then you're like... Let's talk about the powers that be wanting to relocate this team. How about we start there? I was like, oh, oh, you didn't prepare me for it. Let's let's go from that to the injuries and the flow of all these games, whatever. That was a genuine sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I can't control the news media, Adam. They they have a mind of their own. Uh, Anyway, uh, first game of the series, Thursday night, series opener, Julio Tehran on the mound against Scott Alexander. Tehran. In his uh, signing being announced, Jake Cousins options back to to Nashville. Uh, I expressed uh, some skepticism about uh, whether Julio Tehran still had anything left in the tank. And his first turn in the rotation for the Brewers, he did his job. And I was I was impressed with his efforts. He kept the Brewers in the game, gave them a chance to win. And the bats were just silent, uh, eliminating any chance of them. Making the best of his efforts, but Julio Tehran goes five innings, four hits, just the one run allowed in his last inning of work, one walk and five strikeouts. Uh, with two outs, Lamont Wade Jr. singles up the middle to score. Casey Schmidt, that ends Tehran's day, goes down uh, with a one nothing deficit after his five really solid innings of work. Um, it's kind of like the outing we've asked for from a Colin Ray or an Adrian Hauser who is now exceeding those expectations. Uh, any thoughts on Tehran's first turn in the rotation? And uh, other than to say like, okay, this is, this is earned you another shot at least. That's, I think that is all there is to say. Very impressive. Like I think particularly in his case, kind of having been just out of it entirely and being at a point where probably felt like this opportunity wasn't going to come his way again. Um, in some ways, in spite of his history, 
he might be the longest shot. Like someone like Colin Ray almost feels less of a long shot to have found himself in the spot he has. But I mean, you got to do it again and do it again. And that's kind of what Colin Ray has brought to the table, which is an ability to put out good starts or relative consistency and just kind of bridge that gap, um, which it is a more of a chasm at this point that the Brewers are trying to bridge. But you cannot ask for more than what he gave in this outing. And, you know, he could have gone a little bit longer, maybe if he hadn't been so long out of the game and if you hadn't got so much out of him at this level. And if he can repeat that, it's going to be very useful and it'll be a real win for the Brewers. That is a big if, but certainly for his first game, for his first start, can't ask for more than that. Quotes from Tehran. Uh, I came here to help the team win games. Every time I get the ball, I'm expecting to do my job. And a game like this, when the offense was a little slow, as a pitcher, you're thinking, hold the other team as much as you can. And today I was doing that. In the fifth inning, I made a mistake. But overall, when you look at everything, I went out there and did my best. I think that sums it up quite nicely. And the bats just weren't there. Six base runners all night. Uh, didn't get anyone in. Looked like they were going to get a um, a run early in the game. In the first inning, Darren Ruff hit a deep fly ball um, uh, to the right center field fence. Mike Yastrzemski, excuse me, Yastrzemski makes a nice leaping catch at the wall to Rob Ruff. And then from there, just, uh, yeah, one of those nights that uh, we've learned to become accustomed to every now and then uh, from this Brewers team and the lineups that they're having to compile because of the injuries and alike. Um, yeah, the Giants would add some insurance in the eighth inning, uh, a Michael Conforto homer, a Casey Schmidt double, um, and then a Patrick Bailey double uh, makes it 5 nothing after the eighth inning. All of those runs coming off of Tyson Miller, um, who had a tough night, two innings pitch, five hits, four runs. They were all earned. Did have three strikeouts, but his ERA is up to 6.75 and his handful of outings against um, against the Brewers. Scott Alexander was not long for this game. Only lasted an inning. Um, uh, was it due to injury, or were they planning the opener? Thursday feels like so long ago. Uh, but following him in the bullpen was uh, an old friend of Adams. Taylor Rogers throws a scoreless inning in a third with three strikeouts. Jacob Junis, the pitcher of record, throws two and a third, allowing just two hits, two walks, four strikeouts, no runs. Then Sean Manaya. Um, Tyler Rogers and then John Bravia uh, provide scoreless work for the Giants. And uh, yeah, tough day for the Brewers at the plate. Good outing from Julio Tehran and Tyson Miller uh, blows up in the eighth inning. Second inning seems like a safer spot for Taylor Rogers. I'll say that much. <laughs> Rogers. Four four one ERA for the Giants, so it hasn't been exactly great. But so, which you know. is part of why you know, oh, we're going, we're going with an opener today for single inning. Yeah, Rogers, I think you can handle the second, and indeed he did. He handled it very well. Three Ks. Um, just nothing offensively, and considering the position that Tehran had put them in. It's a pity. It's one of those that, again, any game kind of beyond your 
few remaining kind of, oh yeah, this is someone we would have expected to start all season, or this is one of our aces, you just kind of want to take advantage of a good start from those guys, because you know there will be bad ones too. This was a very good one, and it only got worse after he came into the game in terms of pitching, and there was zero, zero response from the Brewers' bats. Uh, and then the next day, Adam, things would get worse, but also uh, would remind us that this is just the game, and there are more important things than uh, wins and losses before the game. Uh, Tyson Miller optioned back to Nashville and Ethan Small recalled. Ethan Small, a guy we were very excited about uh, last year uh, when he was working as a starting pitcher in Nashville. Um, He has been working as a reliever. There were warning signs that despite the success in terms of the run prevention and the ERA in Nashville, uh, that he had not ironed out the issues of command and control that he had shown as a starter still at 17% walk rate. And, uh, but you know what? We were still excited to see what Ethan small can do. Um, and this game, uh, this game ended up being an opportunity for Ethan small, but it ended up being about, uh, so much more than that. Sadly, um, this is a game that the brewers would lose 15 to one. Um, but the story of this game is Willie Adamas being struck by a foul ball, uh, by Brian Anderson. Uh, I think Willie, it looked like he was leaning on the dugout steps like you do um, by the netting there. And uh, he was struck by a foul ball. Uh, everyone gathered around him. The trainers got to him very quickly. Um, and then he walked to the club uh, clubhouse under his own power. It seemed like um, Brian Anderson was incredibly sh- uh, shooken up by inadvertently injuring his teammate there. And uh, yeah, just a really scary moment. And um one that, you know, we were thinking about long past the final score. And the most important thing was that Willie uh, was going to be okay. After the game, he told uh, Craig Council told reporters that Adamus remained alert and responsive throughout the whole thing. They avoided fractures. He was hospitalized overnight for observation. And then I believe he was released on Saturday and back at the ballpark on Sunday per Adam McAlvey. So just very scary stuff in a in a game where it's incredibly understandable if the outcome of a baseball game was not on the minds of the players um, at the time because they did not know that Willie was going to come out of this as okay and as unscathed as he was, all, all things considered. Yeah, and I, I do really think that that is the case. I don't think it's any element of excuse-making. Like, the score is as ugly and lopsided as it can be, but just a truly terrifying moment. really, really horrendous. Some of the replays I saw later on it, it Willie is very, very lucky. That's scary, scary stuff. It's not far off, just square on the temple. Um, And yeah, I can't imagine for Brian Anderson, and I guess we'll talk a bit more about Brian Anderson as we go on. Very impressed how he handled and bounced back subsequently, because not an easy few days for him either. But just tough on the whole team, and I think maybe more than almost any player because of Willie's gregariousness because he is he is kind of the beating heart of the clubhouse. He is the guy you expect to see in that position in the dugout because he is first to greet everyone. He is first to get involved in celebrations. He's constantly kind of geeing up his teammates. Really, really 
ugly, unfortunate event. I guess it happens. It's unbelievably rare, but it does happen. Um, just very, very grateful, thankful that Willie is fine. Um, that he's come out of it in good shape, and hopefully after chance to uh to make sure everything's good and clear whatever concussion protocols that I've on IL, we'll see him back with the brewer sooner rather than later. Um, but. Yeah, just a truly, truly awful moment that certainly marked the whole game. And I I just don't think the Brewers' heads or hearts were in it. And it's honestly, it's hard to, to find fault with that. I, I really do struggle. I, I even think there was an element of hangover into the next day still because it's just one of those things where the shock lingers. If anything, I will say, I was a little surprised that it didn't affect the Giants in a similar way because it does feel like one of those things that just everyone there, like it could be us. It's the kind of thing players don't go to a ballpark on a given day expecting or waiting for. But it certainly didn't affect the Giants. Quote Adam McGee, the San Francisco Giants are psychopaths. Um. Anyway. Uh, well, it, was after, this... it was after this game that their social media team put up the put up a tweet kind of gloating and the skyline was the Minneapolis skyline. You saw this, I assume? Why does this keep happening with different cities? <laughs> well, at least in this case it wasn't, you know, an owner or an owner's family member doing it. <laughs> um but yeah, all things considered no thanks, San Francisco Giants. Just no thanks. The uh the nature of this podcast is that in, like, if you don't have the time to watch 162 baseball games or you miss the highlights, we let you know exactly what happened. So I'm going to take you through the run scoring here, Adam. No, don't no, do we're it. Gonna, we're going to game tree. Why? Out of respect for Willie Adams. I don't. Do we need to go through 15 well, San Francisco go, I'm Giants I'm, runs? I'm not going to go through 15 runs, but I wanted to point out some just contributors okay. because some of these guys played really well. Mitch Hanniger, three for five, four RBI, hit a homer. Good, good series. will come up. I'm going to get later. Great series for him. J.D. Davis, three for six, three runs, a homer, three RBI. Uh, and Patrick Bailey, four for five, three RBI, run scored. Uh, just those three guys just terrorized the Brewers uh, on that night. I do, and I also want to point out the flip side of this, Adam, because this is a game when uh, the Bru- or the Giants scored 15 runs and won a baseball game. Their leadoff hitter, Lamont Wade Jr., goes 0 for 6 with five strikeouts, and their number two hitter, the DH, goes 0 for 6 with four strikeouts, Blake Sable. Baseball is a weird and dumb sport, Adam. Um, yeah, Brewers lose, but the more important thing is that it appears Willie Adams is going to be okay. Game three of this series on Saturday pitted Corbin Burns against Logan Webb, and... After a, a first inning where things looked like they were going to get dicey, allowed a run on a Michael Conforto sack fly, scoring Lamont Wade Jr., uh, Corbin Burns settled down and had a really good start. Seven innings pitch, uh, four hits, one run on that first inning, sacrifice fly, three walks and eight strikeouts. So, obviously, his previous start we had viewed as uh, a step backwards. This is a step forward. And, again, the offense just didn't have it. They go one for nine with runners in scoring position. Uh, that being said, they're going against Giants ace Logan Webb, who is a very good uh, starting pitcher in his own right. 
Webb goes seven innings, four hits, uh, one run, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. Uh, the Brewers would get on the board in the seventh inning after a Bryce Terang triple. Uh, Victor Caratini singles to score Terang. He would get thrown out trying to stretch it to a double. It's one-to-one after the eighth inning. And then in the eighth, Peter Shad is likely another tough outing for him. Allows a two-run homer to Mitch Hanniger, uh to make it three-to-one Brewers. Uh, that would get another scoreless inning from Trevor McGill following uh, that. Um, but the Brewers offense just, again, like you said, possibly a little bit of a hangover again from just having to experience uh, that stressful and traumatic moment, watching a teammate get hurt. Uh, can't get anything done really against Logan Webb, just the one run on the Caratini single. And then uh, Tyler Rogers and Camilo Duvall close things out for the Giants. Um and the Giants win this one three to one. Uh, yeah, but uh, nice to see Corbin uh, put in that kind of performance after he had looked uh, pretty poor, in, admittedly in his in his last start. Even though he said he liked the way the cutter was coming out of his hand, uh, that did not show itself in the box score and the score sheet last game. And uh, this one was uh, a much better step forward for Burns. Yeah, it was. I mean, the one thing I will say about the hangover effect, which I think there was probably an element of it, but the best offensive player for the Brewers in the day was Brian Anderson. And if Brian Anderson got it together, none of the rest of them should have any excuse. Um, It's also not like we haven't seen plenty of offensive days like this for the Brewers without any events like those that preceded it the day before in this case. Uh, what I will say yeah. is that the Giants got one hell of a pitching day just all around. Logan Webb is fantastic with his 11 strikeouts. Tyler Rogers, God, I like him a whole lot more than his brother, Andrew. Um, that delivery is so awkward to even look at. I, I, at this point, how are we like career-wise even? How does the Rogers brothers get power ranked? Is that clear-cut now? Or? Oh, I think I think it's Tyler now. I think Tyler has usurped him in the Rogers power rankings. I mean, he's got a two ERA and twenty two strikeouts and a point nine six WHIP, two saves this year across twenty seven innings of work. So I think it's, I think it's the tie. I think it's Tyler Rogers' time. In the yeah, Rogers I mean... battle. <laughs> I mean, if the Brewers were to have got Tyler Rogers on their roster last year, maybe things could have been different. Maybe things could have been very, very different. Um, and then the Brewers were fighting; they were doing all they could to give themselves a chance. Uh, Jesse Winker had a really good battling at bat that just didn't get rewarded, and it's the kind of thing that you hope, okay, even if it doesn't work out for him, it will work for whoever comes next. I feel like it was Bryce. Sorry, Tyron Taylor, then Bryce. Um, but Deval pitched unbelievably well. He throws the ball very hard, Andrew. Um, so if you're aware of that, he was just like dotting 102 at times, and that's that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough to deal with when a guy's got good control and he's trying as fast as that. Speaking of which, out of Trevor McGill for essentially returning the favor. Um, but yeah, just again, no real offense. If there was any, Brewers probably could away with a win. Uh, yeah, uh, just great pitching performance 
uh, all the way around for San Francisco. And uh, like like you said, an offensive day we've seen before this season from the Brewers. So shouldn't come as a terrible surprise that that's happening against a, a pitcher of Webb's caliber. I should have said going into this game, there were a flurry of uh, uh, roster moves. Uh, Willie Adamas placed on the seven-day concussion list. Andrew Monasterio selected from AAA Nashville. Jake Cousins recalled from Nashville. Ethan Small option to Nashville. And Alex Claudio designated for assignment. So lots going on before that game. Um, moving on to the series finale, a game the Brewers would win uh, to send them on to their road trip uh, on a better note than things were looking. Uh, Colin Ray on the mound, and for the most part, very good work from Colin Ray. Uh, six innings pitch, five hits, four runs. They were all earned, no walks and six strikeouts. But uh, the line doesn't really, tell the story. Really, it was one bad inning and in, in a situation where they were probably trying to squeeze a little too much juice out of that orange, so to speak, um, and left him in in the seventh inning when um, it was probably time to, to bring in the old pimps or someone else. Uh, Brewers score early in this game and stake Colin Ray to a cushion. Uh, William Contreras single scores Christian Yelich and Owen Mill, or excuse me, Christian Yelich and moving Owen Miller to second to make it one nothing in the first. Brian Anderson follows that up with a double to right field to score Contreras and Owen Miller. It's three nothing after one. In the second, uh, an Owen Miller single scores Joey Weimer and Christian Yelich. It's five nothing Brewers. And then the big blow in the second as well. William Contreras at the plate slugs a homer to score himself and Owen Miller. It is seven nothing after the second inning. Uh, after a few days of the offense struggling to muster much. Uh, Brewers fans everywhere breathes sighs of relief. Um, but this would indeed get a little stressful. Uh, like we said, uh, first runs coming in the third inning for the Giants. A Mike Yastrzemski homer makes it seven to one. Uh, Colin Ray in the seventh again uh, allows a homer to Blake Sable. It's of the three run variety with uh, Michael Conforto and Mitch Hanniger on base. It makes it seven to four Giants. Yoel Piamps comes in to relieve Colin Ray at that point. Piamps would allow a Brett Wisely sacrifice fly to score uh, Brett Crawford. Jesus, I was looking at his name, um, and I was – Brandon Crawford, sorry. I was looking at his name, and for some reason the name that popped into my mind was Carl Crawford, and he played for the Tampa Bay Rays about five to ten years ago. Uh, podcast brain in full effect, Adam. Um, but, yeah, 7-5 after seven innings. Peter says – Lecky comes on on the eight, strikes out one, allows a hit with two outs. Craig Council says, no messing around here. I'm going to go get Devin Williams. Devin Williams strikes out the batter in the eighth inning, then works a scoreless night around a walk, three strikeouts, no runs, one in the third innings pitch for the four-out save for Devin Williams. Brewers get the win uh, and do most of their damage off of left-hander, uh, or excuse me, right-hander Alex Cobb, who was uh, one of the uh, one of the trade piece ideas that was in my mind when it looked like the Giants were going backwards and the Brewers were in need of uh, rotation depth, and the Brewers treated him very poorly, so I don't know if he's going to want to come back to American Family Field. Um, but yeah. So, uh, there's also I mean, one, game, one game between the teams in the standings now. Yes, things have been very different uh, since uh, I started thinking about that. You know, they had just taken two out of three from the Astros. Three, three wins in a row against the team will uh, uh, move those records a lot closer together. Uh, but the Brewers get the win uh, to finish off a tough series and uh, one where they probably won't want to think about the first three games ever again. 
Uh, also, we did get to see Andrew Monasterio make his debut, uh, struck out in his only at bat, but then uh, did make a, a catch on a, a soft line drive at second base. He replaced Owen Miller, who, in addition to going two for two with two runs uh, and two RBI, he was hit by a pitch uh, on his arm and uh, was removed. They called it just precautionary measures, so hopefully nothing too serious with Miller there, but his it's, it's uh, removal from the game. Of- being confirmed by counsel, he's day to day. He should be fine. Um, okay. So, so that's uh, good. So, no, nothing broke. Well, that's a that's a that's a change. Um, William Contreras and Owen Miller really doing the most of the damage in this game. Brian Anderson also with the big hit early, and uh, the uh, the uh, Devin Williams uh, multiple inning save experiment is alive and well and thriving. 0.5 ERA on the year for Devin, and he continues to take these opportunities and run with them. I mean, Council just trusts his bullpen less and less with each opportunity, too, is is a factor in this. Um, the Brewers' bullpen is still getting a lot of credit, and I do feel it's probably less deserved by today. But when you have Devin Williams, it's a great fix-all if you give him a chance. Brewers haven't been giving him enough chances. <laughs> Put yourself in position to win games and Devin Williams will hold up his end of the bargain. And I think that's got to be the key for the Brewers. They have a weapon unlike really any other in his role in baseball at the moment. Give Devin Williams as many chances as you can to go out and win your baseball games and he will do that. But they just they got better at giving him a shot. Colin Ray was definitely stretched too far. I think this is a really good performance from him. And I had a bad feeling as soon as he's sent back out there for the seventh. You're like, come on. I mean, I know the pitch count was lower, but if Colin Ray gives you six, uh, one earned run at that point, right? Was it? Yep, just the one on the uh, Yastrzemski home run. Like, get him out of there. He's he's done his job. It's not something that you need to kind of push beyond that. Um, great to see Contreras hit an absolute bomb. Nice game from Miller before he has to come out. And it was a little bit soft, a little bit floaty, but shout out to Andrew Monasterio on his major league debut, something he's waited for for a long time, because that was a still a nice play. Like you have to showcase some athleticism and some good positioning. And he he made the most of for the cameras, maybe, but it, it looked damn good and it was an important play in the moment. So was happy for him, thought that was cool. Even I mean he think he struck out he did strike out on uh the tree two count and he went back to the dugout and the camera's on him and he's just like gritting from ear to ear which is the flip side of all this it's still very very cool when you see a guy like that get their opportunity um not the youngest of the guys so for that day to finally come in his career for him to know that everything he's always fought for he'll always be able to say he was a major leader so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that catch in particular. I thought it was a, a cool moment late in the game. Yeah, and like it is important to that they play a game. And so sometimes it's really fun out there. And if you're getting to get your first taste of major league action, action, you know, it makes sense that you're smiling ear to ear and trying to soak up every moment. Because like you said, he doesn't know how many of these opportunities are going to come along for him. And uh, this one did and make the most of it. Uh, should we look to the master brewer leaderboard and then uh, look ahead. Let's do it. All right. 
if my Google Doc would load. Uh, Corbin Burns, seven innings pitch, four hits, three walks, uh, one run, eight strikeouts. Good work from Burns, like we mentioned. Uh, Julio Tehran, five innings pitched, four hits, one walk, one run, five strikeouts. Trevor McGill, uh, after having, I think it was against uh, the Cardinals or the Rays, he had a tough out in care. Remember, two and a third innings pitch in this series, one hit, one walk, no runs, five strikeouts. Guy throws gas at him. Um, Colin Ray, six innings pitch, four runs, no walks, five hits, six strikeouts, like we said, so good um, through those first six complete innings. Uh, Devin Williams, the four-out save with just a walk, no runs, three strikeouts. Brian Anderson played in every game in this series, four for 15, a walk, two doubles, two RBI. Um, William Contreras, uh, two for seven, one walk, the big homer, two runs, three RBI. Owen Miller, two for 11, but two walks, two runs, two RBI, producing at the plate, run production there. Uh, Brian Anderson also made a really nice uh, diving stop and throw from his knees over at third base today. Um, continue to be impressed by Anderson's defense at third base and his throwing arm. Uh, through 53 games this season, season Devin Williams uh, still leads the way at the top of the leaderboard with 12 beers. Brian Anderson has 10 beers. Rowdy Hillas with nine. Christian Yelich, Bryce Wilson, Yoel Pimes, and Peter Szeslecki with eight. Owen Miller and William Contreras with seven. Corbin Burns, Willie Adamas with six, Hobie Milner, Freddie Peralta, Bryce Terang, Wade Miley, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer with five, Colin Ray, Nelvis Baguero with four, Jesse Winker, Victor Caratini, Eric Lauer, Jake Cousins with three, Trevor McGill, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farlin, Javi Garrett, Tyron Taylor, Adrian Hauser with two, Luke Foyt, Mike Brasso, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, and now Julio Tehran with one. Looking ahead to the schedule, Adam, uh, the Brewers will have an off day on Memorial Day, and then... They will head to Toronto, Canada to play the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Tuesday, May 30th, 6.07 Central Start. Uh, Adrian Hauser is going to take the mound for the Brewers coming off of the start where he was excellent. He will be facing off against Yusei Kikuchi. Next up, according to this, Julio Tehran at 6.07 Central on Wednesday, May 31st, will take on Alec Manoa. And then the final game, Thursday, June 1st, 12.07 Central start. Freddie Peralta on the mound against Kevin Gosman. And then we'll get our first look at the Cincinnati Reds when they go to Cincinnati for four after the trip against Toronto. Uh, but yeah, tough go of things for the Brewers lately. They still find themselves in first place in the NL Central. So as we've been saying often, they haven't been punished to the point where anything is out of reach and they're still very much you know a team to be considered a, a playoff contender uh still five games up on the st louis cardinals who just finished uh blowing a game against the cleveland guardians a game up on the pirates pirates are down 3-1 to uh seattle right now so that could be a game and a half by the end of the day four games up on the reds and five and a half games up on the cubs who have slipped to last place at 22 and 30 Cubs are, are having a tough go of it lately. Uh, the Blue Jays have slipped to last place in the AL Central, but last place in the AL Central means you're still 28 and 26. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely not a bad opponent. They've uh, looks like uh, are performing below expectations at the moment, but uh, definitely a uh, a compelling and uh, a compelling matchup in general, just from an interest standpoint and a team that you should not take lightly. Give me a good Freddie Peralta game. That's what I want. We had a couple of bad starts from Freddie. We need him to get back to business. Uh, another guy, you know, 
I forgive him for being a little rattled. I think closer to Iliadon is more than most. And yeah, he was pretty open about struggling to just kind of reset. Um, following that in the second game of this this series, but let's let's get a good Freddy game going. I think the Brewers could really do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, like you said, you just kind of wipe that one off the board and uh, see what he's got against Toronto. All right, I think that does it for us for this one. Um, our next episode will be our 100th episode, which is. Big deal. Big landmark for us. We're excited. We, you know, I'm not going to say too much because this is the rules of podcasting is not to tempt fate, but just subscribe to the pod and there might be something special. There may, there may not. Subscribe to the pod. We'll see what happens. We're cruising for a bruising. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network for all things Milwaukee Bucks. The main feed is home to Eurostep and winning six. Most recently up there, uh, Ty and Jordan reacted to the Bucks hiring of Adrian Griffin as head coach. More reaction to come on that in the days ahead when the Bucks hold their initial press conference. I'm sure we'll hear from Horse. Maybe we'll hear from ownership. We'll hear from Griffin and you'll hear more from all of us then. Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Numak and Jordan have... All things Packers locked down. They're working their way through the offseason. You want to be ready for the beginning of a new era of Packers football. There's no better place to get your Packers insight and analysis. And last but by no means least, make time for this. Home for all things pop culture and really everything else here at GSPN. Uh, most recent episode up is on Bo's Afraid in the films of Ari Aster and... In the not-too-distant future, early-ish part of this week, middle part of this week, uh, we will have an episode up on the finale of Succession. Which, maybe a lot of you listening to this know how Succession ended. But as of our time of recording, Andrew and I do not. So, let's hope everyone gets what they want. You know? Not, not the characters, believe, they uh... definitely won't. But I mean, that's I so can't believe Sansa is the CEO of uh, Waystar Royco. Can't believe it. Never saw it coming. Brad Stark is like shape shifted into Carl. Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm hearing? I like that. I like that take. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.